1946 chemist Vincent Schaefer was doing some research for the General Electric labs up in upstate New York. And that wasn't the lab that he normally worked out of. And the experiments that he was doing in meteorology, he needed the walk-in freezer that he was used to working in to be colder than the one they actually had there for GE. He worked for GE, but this was just a different location than he was used to working in. And so he had one of his assistants go out and get him some dry ice just to make the walk-in freezer just a little bit colder. Now, much to his surprise, when he walked in, he saw his, his breath and the, the coolness of that walk-in freezer. And because of the combination of that and the dry ice, something amazing happened. Ice crystals formed right in front of his face. And so since he already was working with meteorology anyway, he continued to do a couple months more of experiments. And finally then, a couple months later, GE allowed him to rent a plane and start to fly up high into the clouds where he proceeded to dump six pounds of dry ice. Witnesses on the ground said that it appeared like the cloud exploded in the sky. The snowfall that resulted could be seen for miles and miles and miles away. He had seeded the clouds. GE had a little bit of fun with the publicity that they got from it when the reporters showed up to see why is it snowing and it wasn't calling for snow. They said, yes, indeed, one of our chemists today, Vincent Schaefer, caused it to snow over Pittsfield. Next week, he plans on walking on water. Now, for the most part, seeding clouds is illegal in the United States today to, to do things like that. But that doesn't mean that we can't learn some lessons from what he did there. That we can learn to seed the clouds ourselves in our own lives. And so if you have a Bible this morning, you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. That's where we're going to hang out. 1 Kings chapter 18. As we wrap up our series called Win the Day. What we've been doing over the first, I don't know what, I guess this is seven weeks now of this new year, is we've been looking at these habits that we can have in order to change our lives. And we've been basing this off of a book by Mark Batterson called Win the Day. And he's given us these seven habits. Let me remind you what they are. We need to flip the script, kiss the wave, eat the frog, fly the kite, cut the rope, wind the clock. Today we're going to talk about seeding the clouds. And again, we're going to look at this story there in 1 Kings chapter 18, give you just a little bit of context here. This is about 850 years before the time of Jesus. Israel's going through a great, great drought. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. Elijah the prophet, he decides, you know what, desperate times call for desperate measures. And so he climbs to the top of Mount Carmel, and he's going to seed the clouds just in a little bit of a different way than what Vincent Schaefer did. And so here's what we read, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 41 to 46. Elijah said to King Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go back and look. Finally, the seventh time, a servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand raising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him. Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for his home in Jezreel. 
Then the power of God came upon Elijah, giving him supernatural strength. He tucked his cloak into his belt, and he outran Ahab's chariot back to Jezreel. Now, real quick little side note. It is 17 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. And so that God gave Elijah the supernatural speed and stamina to outrun a chariot, that's a miracle in and of itself. That's not what we're here to talk about today. What we're here to look at is how do we seed the clouds? How can we seed the clouds? How can we do this seventh habit in order to win the day? Well, the first thing is this, if you're taking notes, I can seed the clouds with prophetic imagination. Probably the most famous ear, nose, and throat doctor of all time was a guy that lived in France. His name was Dr. Alfred Tomitis. His father was a famous opera singer. And so his father would send some of his fellow opera singers to Dr. Tomitis anytime they were having issues with their vocal cords. It was a little over 50 years ago now that Dr. Tomitis got his most interesting case he had ever had before. It was another really famous singer who came in and the guy could not hit certain notes anymore. And again, this guy had been able to do it throughout his whole career. Very famous singer. He couldn't hit the notes anymore. And so Dr. Tomitis, he's like doing all kinds of tests on the guy's throat. There's no issues. No issues with the throat at all. And so he decides he's going to run some other types of tests. And one of the things he actually discovered was this guy was singing at such volume that he was producing 140 decibels of volume at only one meter away. Now, to put that into perspective for you, that's actually louder than a military jet taking off from an aircraft carrier. So this guy's putting out some real volume. And so as Dr. Tomitis, he continues to do like, what's going on with this guy? He decides to test his hearing. And sure enough, the guy had deafened himself because he was singing so loud. And so there were certain notes, he was only partially deaf, but there were certain notes that he couldn't hear anymore. And if you can't hear the note, you can't sing the note. You're going, well, what's that have to do with us? Well, I believe that we have become spiritually deaf, that we've allowed so much stuff in our own negative self-talk and so much stuff in our society to deafen us to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this in other parts of the, the series. That, did, did you know that about 8,000 thoughts flood through your brain every single day? And that 80% of those are negative? We have all this negative self-talk that we give ourselves. And it deafens us to hearing, what does God have to say about me? And then you got social media and you got all this advertising that's out there, whether it's TV or billboards or in newspapers or online, you see all this and all the algorithms of all those things are designed to continue to keep you in an echo chamber that you just keep hearing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's just deafening you to the, the voice of the spirit. And remember, God wants to speak to us in a still small voice. We've got to be able to listen, but what has happened is we've become deaf to all that. So what's the cure to it? How can we hear the voice of the Spirit? Well, Mark, in his book, Win the Day, he says this. It's on your outline there. Scripture is our script cure. Scripture is our script cure. This goes back to habit one that we looked at, that we need to flip the script. That if you've got all this negative self-talk that's going on, if you've gotten deafened by the, the, the voice of, you know, all the things that culture is saying, the, the cure for that 
is scripture. We got to get into God's word. It is our script cure. We've got to tell ourselves a better story. And the better story that we tell ourselves is the story that God's already speaking about us. Who is it that God says that you are? Not who you say you are, not who Satan says that you are, not who the world says that you are. Who does God say that you are? Scripture is our script cure. It is in here that we're going to find out who it is that God says that we are and what it is that God wants us to do. Prophetically, there is things that God is speaking to you that he wants you to do to make a difference as you go forward into the future. And so every time you get into his word, it's turning up the, the voice, it's turning up the, the volume of God in your life. In other words, every time you open his word, he opens his mouth. Let me say that again. Every time you open up his word, God opens up his mouth and he speaks to you. But you got to be in tune to that. You got to get away from all the distractions of your own mind and what's going on in the world. You got to dig in, read God's word and allow him to speak to you. In the opening verse that I read to you here today, Elijah says to Ahab, go get something to eat for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Isn't that amazing? Elijah hears something that nobody else is hearing. He hears something that nobody else is even expecting to hear because it's been over three and a half years since its last rain. This is what prophetic imagination is all about. He is seeing the invisible. He's hearing the inaudible. He's believing the impossible. Again, that only happens when you're actually listening and you're in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit, his still, small voice. So number one, how do you seed the clouds? You do it with prophetic imagination. Number two, I must seed the clouds with patient persistence. Elijah, he can hear the storm coming. So he tells his servant, he's like, go and and, and see if you see it yet. And the guy comes back and he says, I didn't see anything. Nothing. And so Elijah, he continues to pray and he says, go back and look again. And the guy goes and comes back and says, I didn't see anything. But yet with that prophetic imagination, he knows what the voice of the Spirit has told him. He can hear that it's going to rain. He can smell that it's going to rain. And so he continues to pray and he says, go back and look again. Seven different times he sends his servant until finally the servant comes back and he says, I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. And ultimately that crowd, uh, cloud, it, it grew And it starts to rain and it ends the drought. Now, logically, Elijah should have given up after the first time. When the servant came back and said, I didn't see anything. You're crazy, man. Hasn't rained forever. But no, Elijah, he was persistent. He just kept pressing on because he knew what it was that he had heard. And he knew what it was that God was promising. So he kept persisting. Now, let me talk to you about this from both a a biological and theological perspective a little bit. As we get older, our brains tend to shift from being right-brained thinking to being left-brained thinking. Now, for those of you that it's been a while since you were in school and you don't remember what that means, right brain is the creative side of you. It's the the risk-taking side of you. It's where your imagination comes from. Left brain, then, is like the more logical side, the more conservative side. And again, what happens is, as we get older, we switch from right brain to left brain. 
Now, all of us are different. Some were born more right brain and some were born more left brain. But as you get older, we tend to go from the right to the left. If you don't believe me, think about a little kid, you know, like a, a three, four, or five-year-old, or, you know, maybe a kid that's in early elementary school. What an imagination these kids have. Some of you have little kids right now. You have little grandkids that are running around. The imagination that they have, they have an imaginary friend, and they see dinosaurs and, you know, dragons, and they see things all over the place. And the risks that they're willing to take. They're jumping off of things. They don't care. And the creativity. They sit and they draw. And they get in the mud and they make like claymation. You know, Nate's never gotten out of that, right? So he's still got that right, right, right? Getting in the, getting in the mud and, and forming it and stuff. But kids, they just do that. You know, he, he did it because he's like, oh, this is like be a cool hobby. But like kids, they're just like, oh, this is cool. Look, you know, I'm creating things. And they're like making paper airplanes and they're drawing and stuff. And they don't know that they're not good drawers yet. Nobody's told them you can't draw. But they do it just because they're just creative. But again, the voices of the world, don't do that. It's not safe. Don't, don't jump. Or you, you can't draw. Remember what Mark was told? You can't write. You're not a very good writer. You should never think about writing books. But we can't live the way that the world tells us to live. We've got to stop doing that. We, we've got to try to, to ease that progression because we tend to get more conservative as we get older. We take a lot less risks as we get older. We tend to gravitate to that which is logical and that is safe. And so all of a sudden we stop living out of imagination and we start living according to our memories. We stop creating the future, and we start repeating the past. We stop living by faith, we start living by logic. And to be honest, we stop living, and we start dying. You know, many people have died way before the, the, death, uh, the uh, death certificate date. Because they just stopped living. Remember earlier in the series, we talked about the widow of Windsor. The day her husband died, she stopped living. But we can't do that. There's got to be another way, a better way. So in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, we read this, without vision, the people perish. And this applies collectively to us as a group, a church, other organizations. It also applies individually to your own life. We all need a vision a dream that God has given us that keeps us up late at night dreaming about it, that gets us up early in the morning motivated that I'm going to do something about this. We all need a vision that stretches us beyond our ability and our resources, our education and our experience. In other words, we all need that exponential goal for our lives, a goal that's so big that you're like, I can't possibly do this on my God, I need you to show up and to do this. And it's a goal that's so big that it drives you to your knees that you're like, God, I need you. This is going to take a miracle. But yet, God, I, I know that this is what you've called me to. I've been praying about it. I've been dreaming about it. And so, God, I need you to show up. But that's going to require persistence. We can't give up at the first sign of trouble. We can't give up when it isn't happening according to the timeline we thought that it was going to happen at. Elijah, seven different times, he tells his servant, go back and look 
because I know what God has promised. And you know, I don't think that number seven is an accident. Seven is a number that we see over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Look at uh, Proverbs 24, 16. We read, even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. But when trouble strikes the wicked, that's the end of them. Seven in Scripture is the number of perfection. It's the number of completion. Abraham, he, he bows down seven times in the book of Genesis. We read that the, uh, the priests, they sprinkle the blood on the altar seven different times in the book of Leviticus. In the book of Proverbs, it said that the, the word of God is like silver that's been refined in the fire seven different times. Jesus, he actually took it a step further, didn't he? Peter, he says, how many times should we forgive people? Jesus, seven times? And Peter thinks he's like going to get a gold star for saying seven times. Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times, seven times. Think about the, the walls of Jericho, right? They, they marched around the walls of Jericho, the Israelites did, seven times on the seventh day. Naaman, he, he dips himself in the river seven times in order to have his leprosy cured. And we just read here, Elijah, he sends his servant back seven different times. Persistence. Now, I want you to think about this. What if the Israelites had stopped circling Jericho after lap six? What if Naaman had stopped dipping himself into the river after six times? What if Elijah had said to the servant after the sixth time, don't go back anymore. Well, all of them would have forfeited the miracle right before it was about to happen. And so we just got to keep on persisting. Keep on going. Persistence is a part of this seeding of the clouds. Here's how Jesus says it in Matthew 7, 7. He says, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. And so whatever the dream is that God has called you to do, don't you dare give up on it. Don't you dare give in. Just keep on going. Don't quit. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Keep on sending the servant back. Keep on going around the walls until the walls fall down. Keep on dipping yourself into the river until the leprosy or whatever your disease is, is cured. Just keep on going. Keep on persisting. Number three, I can seed the clouds with bold prayer. You know, one of the questions you may be asking is, why did Elijah keep sending a servant to go check on the clouds? Why didn't he do it himself? Well, I think we actually read the answer right there in the Scripture. Do you remember what it says he was doing? He was down on his knees with his head between his, his knees there. He, he's doubled over in prayer. He's persisting in prayer. He's like, I can't go check because I'm continuing to pray. You go check on this. And the guy comes back, he says, I didn't see anything. And he keeps persisting in prayer. He's got this bold prayer that God has asked him to pray. And he just keeps on doing it, trusting that God is going to come through in the ways that he said that he would come through. And so there he is praying with his face between his knees. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you were doubled over in prayer like that? When was the last time you actually got on your knees in order to pray? 
Now listen, the posture that you have when you pray, God can hear you no matter what your posture is. But here's what I'm going to say to you. There is something about being on your knees or doubled over in prayer that speaks of humility and it speaks of this utter and extreme dependence of God. There, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I pray in the shower a lot. There's nothing wrong with praying in the car. There's nothing wrong with praying before a meal or praying before or after a meeting that you're a part of. Nothing wrong with those types of prayers. But there's prayers, and then there's prayers where you're in desperate, like, God, I need you right now. And that just that act of getting on your knees or, or doubling yourself over like that, oh my goodness, that gets the attention of God the Father. Because he knows it's not just you giving just this little token prayer of, God, I need help with this. Now you're saying, I am humbly getting down before you. I am desperate for you right now to do something great in my life or in the lives of other people. This is the type of prayer that, that pleases God the Father. And, you know, the, as I was trying to think of how do you illustrate something like this, the only thing I could come up with, and maybe you can come up with a better illustration. But if you're a, a parent, you're a father, isn't it awesome when your little kid sees something up on the shelf, high up above, and, and you want them to have it? It is theirs but there's no possible way they can get to it. And they look up at you and they go, Daddy, Papa, Grandpa, Mom, Grandma, can you get that for me? And you're like, sure. And you reach up and you give it to them. That's how God the Father is with us. When there's things that are in His Word, it's according to His will. He wants us to ask for those things. He wants us to go, Abba, Father, Daddy God, can, can you reach that for me? Because I can't reach it. I can't possibly get that on my own. Could you get up there? And he's like, sure, I want you to have that. Here it is. I'm giving this miracle to you. Sometimes we've got to pray and we've got to pray boldly. And really, if you think about it, the, the whole series has been leading up to just this. We've, we've talked about these, these dreams and, and these goals that we have in life and that we've got to let go of the past. We can't get caught up in the past and we've got to seek after what is the God-honoring, God-sized goal that he would have for me right now. And then we reverse engineer that and, and we get daily habits in our lives. But what I'm saying to you is don't be presumptuous in that. Even though you sort of had the formula a little bit figured out with it, don't be presumptuous. You still got to depend on God for that. Somebody once wisely said that do everything like it depends on you. You know, work is hard like everything depends on you. But then pray like everything depends on God. If you'll do your part, he'll do his part. Remember what we said earlier in the series. If you'll do the little small things like they're big things, then God will do the big things like they're small things on your behalf. Uh, you know, I think one of the greatest tragedies in life is that there are some prayers that are going to go unanswered simply because they went unasked. In other words, God will not answer 100% of the prayers that you never ask Him for. But so often we make prayers so small, just the little simple things. God's going, don't you know who I am? 
Don't you know how big I am? Don't you know what I could do through you if you'll just simply ask? Yes, it's way high up there on the shelf. And you don't think you can do it. You're right, you can't do it. But I can because I'm God and I can give that to you. But you have not because you ask not. And so we got to pray those bold prayers. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Because not only can it change your life and the lives of those that are around you, but it could change people for generations and generations to come. Now I'm going to wrap up the series in two parts. The first part will be me. And the second part, we'll have a special guest do that for us. So let me just remind you what we've been talking about throughout the series. The, the big question has been this. Can you do it for just one day? Could you eat right today? Could you exercise today? Could you pray today? Could you read your Bible today? Could you not have those lustful thoughts or, or outbursts of anger just for today? And what we discovered is most people go, huh, yeah, I think for just one day, I probably could pull this off. God's help? Yeah, I could do it for one day. And we've talked about how don't worry about the past, the times that you didn't do it in the past, you didn't eat right, you didn't read your Bible. Don't worry about that. And then don't worry about the future either. Don't get caught up in that mindset of, well, can I do this habit every single day for the rest of my life? Don't worry about that. You can only control today. So do it today. And then next day you wake up and you do it. Go ahead. This is the audience participation part. You do it today and the next day you do it. Today and the next day you do it. Today and all of a sudden now you got a little bit of a winning streak going and it becomes a habit then in your life. And so you just got to win today. And to do that, we looked at what Mark wrote in the book. There's sort of seven habits to help you in doing that. First of all, we talked about you got to flip the script. You got to tell yourself a better story because you've been telling yourself that story about all the times that you messed up in the past or you allowed a pain of the past to just get you sort of stuck where you're at right now. Or you've allowed other people to enslave you in the past. And you can't do that. You've got to flip the script. You've got to tell yourselves a better story. And again, the best story is found right here in God's word. Who is it that God says that you are? What is it that God says that you can do? That's the story that you need to do to flip the script for yourself. And then in week two of the series, we looked at you need to kiss the wave. That's the second habit. That sometimes that the, the pain of the past or even the pain of right now, it feels like this wave that is crashing over you and it's overwhelming you. But what we discovered is in those moments, instead of feeling overwhelmed, overwhelmed by it, just lean over and kiss the wave and realize that that wave is actually what's going to carry you right into the rock of all ages, to Jesus himself. Habit three then was, you need to eat the frog. Remember what Mark Twain said? You got to eat a live frog in a day. It's probably best to do it first thing in the morning. In other words, make sure that you do the hard thing first, the big thing first. 
And so we talked in that particular week about making sure that your priorities are where they need to be. Do the big things first. And again, as I just said to you a little bit earlier, if you'll do those things, even even the little small things, if you'll treat even the little small things like they're big things, then God will do the big things in your life like they're little small things. Then habit four, we talked about that you need to fly the kite. That was an awesome story. That was probably my favorite message in the the whole series. You remember they they wanted to build a bridge over the Niagara River in the the mid-1800s. How do you do something like that in the midst of such powerful currents? The answer? Kite flying contest. Little 15-year-old boy, Homan Walsh, he wins the contest because he flew the kite from one side to the other. Now that they had that string connecting the American side to the Canadian side, that's all they needed in order then for a bridge to be built. So again, if you'll do those little small things like flying a kite, then God will do the big things like building the bridge. So what, what is that next step that God's calling you to take today? That little small thing that he's asking you to do right here and right now. Next thing we looked at, you need to cut the rope. That was the story of Elijah Otis. Remember, nobody believed that his elevator break would actually work. And so he ordered his assistant to cut the rope on the elevator. And the crowd gasped. But the elevator didn't move. And just that little demonstration, that that sort of leap of faith there, changed the world. Not only elevators, but, you know, the size that we build buildings. And so it's the same for us. What is it that's in your life that you need to cut the rope? That leap of faith that you need to take. We can't play it safe any longer. And last week we looked at you need to wind the clock. There was two big points last week. That One was that you don't find time, you got to make time. You got to make the time for family. You got to make the time for friends. You need to make the time for the things that are important. You need to make time to get into God's word. You need to make time to go out and serve in the community. You don't find time for those things. You got to make the time to do it. And we discovered that while time is measured in minutes, our life is measured in the moments. And so we've got to find what are those holy moments where God is like just packing decades worth of knowledge into us in a couple minutes or in a couple hours and maximize those things for all that they're worth. And then, of course, today we talked about we need to seed the clouds. Then we need to think big. We need to have that prophetic imagination. We need to be persistent in our dreams and our hopes and our goals. We got to pray some bold prayers. All right, so that's me wrapping it up. I thought the best way to wrap it up is from my good friend himself, the author of the book, Mark Batterson. So take a look at this. Hey, Pastor Gilbert and everybody at Exponential Church, what a joy to know that you are winning the day here at the beginning of a new year uh, with this series. I just wanted to say uh, in your corner, praying for you. You know, we we uh, we overestimate what we can do in a year or two, but we underestimate what God can do in 10 or 20. And, and so, Pastor Gilbert, I, I remember us meeting years ago, and all it was was a vision at that point. And look at what the Lord has done. 
you got to take those dreams, take those goals, turn them into daily habits. And if you do, then I believe almost anyone can accomplish almost anything if they work at it long enough, hard enough, and smart enough. Pray God's blessing on you. Uh, show me your habits. I'll show you your future. Destiny is not a mystery. Destiny is those daily decisions. And so just an encouragement to win the day. God bless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for these first seven weeks of this new year as we've been able to dig into your word and we've been able to glean from the wisdom of Mark and just see what it is that you would have us to do to win every single day. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit has not only been speaking to us today, but has been speaking to us throughout this series of what's the next steps that we need to take in order to win each and every day that you put before us. Father, I don't know what that looks like, but you do. You know the hopes and the dreams and the goals for each and every person that's sitting here in this room, each and every person that's online watching. You know what that is. And so, Lord, I just pray that we wouldn't get caught up in the past and, and just like be so, so distracted and, and so just, uh, uh, just caught up in the things that have happened to us. That we wouldn't allow those things to weigh us down. And Lord, we wouldn't worry about the future of can I continue to, to do this, but we would just be concerned about today. Can I win today? And Lord, we know that with your strength and with your power, with the help of your Holy Spirit, we can do just that. And so Lord, help us to win the day, not just in 2022, not just as a part of a, a series that we did, but help us to win every single day and make a difference for your kingdom and for your glory and for your honor. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.